You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. Hello, Michael. Andre, I have to be honest with you. Uh-huh. I, um, well, I have a number of things to actually say, but, you know, I, first of all, how are you feeling? I am much better. Um, and I guess before you get to your list of things that are almost certainly going to annoy me, uh, are we acknowledging the milestone? Well, we, 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 we can, I guess we, we, we acknowledged the last time we hit a, 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 a big number and, yep. uh, I, I don't know if this one, this one's a bigger number, obviously, but it's a, and that's how math works. Know. The numbers get bigger. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's a, it's a round number. It's got some crooked numbers in it. It's got some round numbers in it. Yeah. So we are on our 300th episode. Can't believe it. And, um, I think we worked, we, we, we looked it up and we are the longest uh, running Ontario podcast about wine. We are the longest running podcast about wine in Ontario. And I think in Canada, only um, Terry Mulligan is going Terry longer Mulligan. than us. Yeah, that's true. Um, so so congratulations to Terry, uh, but congratulations to us. Yeah, and I, and I know we've been uh, pretty blunt to our, our listeners that over the past, I guess, six months as stuff has been reopening. Summer's been pretty crazy. Um that we've had a uh, we've had we've had logistical challenges in getting episodes out, so we want to thank the audience for sticking around with us. But I know I keep promising it. Um, the content is going to get better. We are working on some things in uh, in the fall coming out. I know we've got some um, hopefully some winemakers from Italy coming through. Uh, I'll keep my eyes open. I think there's some winemakers from France coming through, and uh, I mean that's just sort of to be general in the teasing. And then obviously we have uh, Ontario Harvest coming up very quickly. Which we should look into, uh, you know, Brian Schmidt. Uh, we've always said we should sit on the um, on the crush pad with him. I've always wanted uh, to do that. And I mean, our equipment, our equipment, man, I take a look at the room that I'm in right now and the um, and the equipment that we have. And, you know, we, we joke about the Patreon. So once again, patreon.com slash two guys talking wine. Um, you know, we don't get a ton of money from that. Basically enough to pay our hosting costs. And every once in a while, we've had a few dollars to buy a new piece of equipment. But you know, five years into this project, like we have a fully functional mobile studio. Like we can crank out a high quality episode anywhere these days. Yeah. And, uh, the, the ones that we did, uh, here in St. Catharines, uh, sounded pretty good. So, yeah. uh, that was excellent to, uh, to see and to hear. And, um, yeah. So yeah, we're hitting number 300. So that's, a, that's a pretty big deal. No champagne being, uh, being popped, uh, at this end. No, nothing, uh, nothing on this side either. Cause I think we've we're both just insanely busy. So, like right now, what's happening on on my side, on top of of, of putting the podcast together, is um, we're getting things together for harvest for the ADX Wine Company, and it has been a challenge. Um, the damage to the vineyards in the winter has been significant. So, finding fruit has been a challenge, not impossible, but a challenge. Um, and then we're uh, bottling as well. So, I mean, the whole idea of the logistics of of um, how wineries do this is it's still blowing my mind like the fact that we're gonna have a very short turnaround of emptying our barrels and then filling them in less than a month so you're you're are you are you bottling now pinot chardonnay or both uh just chardonnay we don't have any any pinot in the works um i mean like anyone who wants to reach out i'm more than happy to talk about the the financial side of it because i mean that's been the big part about running the adx wine company is seeing what the the realities of the financial situation of the the wine business is and like 
we're making enough money that the the company continues to run, but we're certainly not paying ourselves big dividends hand over fist. The whole idea is to is to grow the grow the company, but like I can't imagine being someone like Brian Schmidt or Ed Madronic where you know, we've had deficiencies in finding bottles and uh, other supplies for winemaking over the course of the past year. But it's a hell of a lot easier when you're only calling up um, a bottle supplier and looking for 80, 90 cases. I can't imagine being a winery being like, I need 2000 cases. Oh my God, they're stuck in a shipping container off the coast of Vancouver or off the coast of Los Angeles. Like, what are we going to do? Like, I mean, it's, it's just been an eye-opening year. And hopefully it gets easier next year. I, I would hope. I would hope that the you know these these logistical things iron themselves out. Obviously, so the uh, the next uh, thing I want to say is uh, I would like you to please get out of my Google feed. It's not my fault. I've toned it back. Um, I have said the word Burgundy a lot. I've said Chassang and Merceau a lot. I have not said the C word. Well, it, it seems that uh, whether you're doing it or not, it, it's there. And uh, today I, I got a, a big article in my, my Google feed about the, you know, how to love the C word from, uh, uh, from California. You can, you can say it. I just want to make sure that I'm not the one messing up your Google feed. You are. Oh, I'm not going to say it either. So hopefully Google's not listening. By the way, I and, still have a t-shirt and, for and, you. Uh, I still have a now, t-shirt now for you. said the C word. I'm really hoping I, I don't get a, uh, well, yeah. I have I have um, a shardcore T-shirt for you uh, in my living room, courtesy of Christine Campbell. And you also uh, have a few bottles of uh, of uh, Beaujolais for me. You do have a couple bottles of Beaujolais at this house, uh, and I've already consumed one. It's very good. It's uh, the Domaine de la Chaise, um, of, of, of whom we interviewed the export manager earlier this year. One of our more fun interviews. Yeah, and um, so. So what I really wanted to say was we were supposed to get together last time, but you were, <laughs> you were under the weather. And then we thought about this time, um, and unfortunately, uh, neither one of our schedules uh, matched up on this one. Yes. Uh, so hopefully, uh, within the next couple of weeks, we'll actually see each other's smiling face. So uh, stay out of crowds, stay out of super spreader events. And, <laughs> well, I mean, that's uh, the thing, though, is is uh, I don't know how long it, at, it lasts, but I have natural immunity for a little while at least. But I mean, I, I've heard from some people who've been reinfected for like second and and third times around. So, I mean, I don't know. I was listening to, um, listening to Jerry Agar on News Talk 1010, and I always know there's something wrong when I'm agreeing with Jerry, but... Uh, you know, get your vaccines, wear masks in high-risk situations, but I think we're at the point where we need to just start talking about uh, what the future of living with this is like. Yes, I and, think, and this uh, is in, in regards to the Arrive Can app, which which um, which makes no sense, but we're not a political podcast, so we don't need to get into that. Well, I, I understand the CDC has said the same thing. It's time to start living with this and, uh, uh, you know, get your get your vaccines, get everything that you need to get. Uh, I, I did uh, the fourth vaccine because uh, of what I do. Uh, I, I do uh, wine tours for Niagara Vintage Wine Tours uh, down here, and um, I figured, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna get my fourth. And uh, they said something's coming up maybe in September. You want to wait? And I went, no. With what I do, and I, I see the public quite a bit, I I would like to get my fourth so that I'm you know, uh, you know, all all ready uh, for whatever germs come my way. Yeah. Um... I mean, good, good advice. I was, I was scheduled to get my fourth, um, when I got it. So, uh, I can't get it for three months. Thank you. I foresee, uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, I also sent you a little, uh, uh, 
thing about uh, and I and I tried to get you. I didn't realize that you weren't a baseball fan. Yes, yeah. uh, I mean, well, I don't know. Watch, I I like watch football. I like live watch. sport. I like I like live sport. I'll go see the Jays because it's also like cause it's a cheap ticket. Like it's not terribly expensive to see them. Um, man, and it's been I, I've been following the team close enough to know that it's been a weird year where it literally feels like a roller coaster for the fans. Where, uh, you know one month I dip into what the media coverage is like and everyone's just like, oh my God, everything is so good. And then three weeks later, it's just like, and the Jays have lost 10 in a row. Yeah, yeah, we're in a we're in a slump yet again. So it, it is quite the year. But what, um, uh, so I was all about this, uh, this grape that uh, I believe Santa Carolina found. And uh, I, I said, we should have a little, a little uh, Jays, uh, you know, kind of cross promotion. And you're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like the Jays, the Blue Jays, and you're like, "Why? Well, I, I don't like watching paint dry." <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, and I figured you were all into, you know, Toronto sports. You watch hockey. You watch, you know, watch CFL. You're, you're, you know, you're all over the, you know, the Raptors, and uh, I don't know about soccer, but I mean, you were just the baseball thing. I it, it threw me for a loop. Um, well, I'm more of an armchair an armchair fan. I follow the Leafs enough to make fun of my dad, who's a diehard Leafs fan. Um. Basketball, I enjoyed watching the playoff run. I, I'm a bigger soccer fan more than anything. I'm really looking forward to the World Cup in the fall, and I, I generally watch the French leagues with one eye, which I know is unusual because most people here watch the English leagues. But, man, we are so off topic of wine right now. I think it's just been Correct. a while since I we've just, caught just, up. So what, what Santa Carolina found was a, a grape. They had like you know 15 rows of it or a, very, a little small plot or whatever it was. Uh, it was called the Romano grape, which is a long lost grape. Uh, and they said it was like finding a dinosaur. Um, and I sent it over to you and I said, you know, Jordan Romano, blah, 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 Jay's crossover. And you were like, what? So, well, then you were talking about uh, Ray Romano for some reason. You were just yeah, like, don't you know who Ray Romano is? His name is Jordan. His name is Jordan Romano. Then I, then I, then I always think of Ray Romano because I do like Ray Romano. I who doesn't like Ray show, Romano? But, but I remember him. Some of his stand-up was absolutely hilarious. So, anyway, that's that's where I get confused. So, so you know, it's the old mind, old mind not working. But today, you actually wanted to to to, to speak on a topic for our 300 episode, and I'm like, eh, let me hear your list, and I will give my opinion. <laughs> I mean, that's usually usually how this goes. But I think this should this should be an interesting debate because. Um, like you live in St. Catharines, you spend a lot of time um, surrounded by the vineyards, and you know who people are talking about, who's helping who, and what's going on. Um, I am spending a lot of time with the ADX Wine Company in restaurants now, seeing who are on wine lists, who have large presences. And I was just kind of rolling through uh, a lot of wines that I tasted, and um, you know, let me kick off the topic by saying that you and I both got a package of media samples from Rose Hall Run. And yep. I just, I think about how talented Dan Sullivan is as a winemaker. How, At the same time, we also got one from Huff. So. And uh, how consistently good, uh, how consistently good the JCR Chardonnay and Pinot Noir is. And uh, frankly, the third piece of the puzzle that I really love about Rose Hall Run is the, um, the something for everyone aspect of it. Like, especially given the tourist aspect of the county the fact that i could send you know i could send um 
I mean, the problem is I know too many people who are hardened wine snobs, but let's just say, let's just say I could send a bunch of like old high school friends who know nothing about wine who reached out just being like, oh, I'm going to Prince Edward County. Where should I go check out? I could send them to Rose Hall Run and I know whether they leave with a bottle of Pixie or a bottle of JCR, they're getting a quality bottle of wine that fits the demographic. Like, like Dan and Lynn really understand how to hit all parts of the market while delivering a high quality product. But I mean, Dan's just a creative winemaker and I don't think, I don't think a lot of people talk about him in the regard that he deserves. So I wanted to talk to you about who we think is the most underrated winemaker in Ontario or who we think are the most underrated winemakers in Ontario. See, I, I want you to put a list together because I, I don't, I, I think everybody's getting the accolades they need at the moment. Really? But, uh, I, I do. I do. And, uh, um, look, uh, and there's another, there's a few reasons uh, why. And, uh, and I, and I think, um, but I'll hear your list. But I, I, I have a, I have a theory at the moment uh, why everybody will get the do. But then, then there will be something coming down the pike uh, that will will uh, uh, show the men from the boys and the and the girls from the women or whatever the way we're going to uh, put it. All right. Well, um, I, well, I started my list with with Dan Sullivan. Do you agree or disagree with my assessment that he is underrated? I don't think he's underrated. I think uh, I think having been to the winery lately, uh, you know, he's got a good following. Um, uh, I think you know people go to the county to you know see Rose Hall run. Uh, I think they do a brisk business. Um, you know, I I am a big fan, believe it or not, of the JCR line. I like the Chardonnay and I uh, and I like the the Pinot. Uh, he sent uh, two new products. One was uh, the Saint Cindy. Uh, which I didn't think was anything like anything he's made. So I guess good for him in that part, but not good for him on uh, on another part, uh, just because um, uh, you know the. I, I don't think it, it, it's his style, and and maybe he's going for a different demographic in it. It's too rich, too buttery, too too something uh, for my liking, and it does not speak to me of the county. Um, uh, so, you know, I don't know if that St. Cindy is, is going to continue or if it was just a one-off or, or what the deal is, but I, I, I believe that Dan gets his due and, 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 and as well, he should. All right. Well, I respectfully disagree with you and let me go further into the County. I think I had a chance to bump into Glenn Simons at Light Hall, um, uh, at I4C. And I also think, um, you know, I, I know that uh, he, he has Nick Pierce as, an, as his agent and he is on, on some wine list, but it's just one of those things where, you know, I'm surprised more people, especially when I when I look at a lot of what other what other wine writers are doing and what other tourism writers are doing, Lighthall very rarely makes the cut on, on lists. And I know that he has geography working against him being that far south in the county. Like it's a bit of a schlep to get down to the south tip of the county and there's not much there beyond uh, like what there's the three wineries on that stretch, right? It's uh, Light Hall, Exalted and uh, Long Dog. But uh, um, I mean, I, I think a lot of people overlook that part. Well, I, I, first of all, I'll, I'll, I'll start with, with uh, the other two. Okay. Um, you know, Long Dog uh, had a great reputation at one point uh i uh, he started using plastic corks he's he's a ve- he's a very finicky winemaker um and uh, sorry are you I, saying plastic or the sugar cane ones are you just still being a holdout and refusing no no, no he was he was plastic he okay 100 plastic um he's finally off of that um but he's lo- you know he lost his luster and i think 
uh, one of those things that he lost his luster from is because people were opening these old bottles and, you know, plastic does not hold, period, the end. And I think that that really does affect your uh, does uh, affects your reputation because he was staunchly plastic at one point. Um, Exaltet, uh, I think they peaked way too early. Uh, the what was it? Three years in a row, they won uh, Chardonnay of the Year. Yep. And uh, I will tell you from experience, uh, the ageability of those Chardonnays was terrible. Uh, by five years, it was was dust. It was terrible. It was it couldn't drink it. You know, I didn't yeah. have that same experience, and and I did open up the older because I had the bottles. I had the three that did win the the gold medals. I was buying them very religiously, and I opened them up at the five year mark, like one, two, three, and uh, I did find that they held up pretty well. And they were not super well stored in my apartment in Toronto at that point. Were you were you as thrilled with them and thinking that they were gold medal wines, or were you like, yeah, I can still drink it? No, they they I am okay. I guess it's sort of complicated. They were good, but they weren't as good as I had remembered. Um, I think at the time when they were in the competition, they definitely. I'm, I'm being, I'm being, I guess, diplomatic here. But I think at the time, like th- those wines were the best in the competition as they were entered. But um, I agree with you that they were not, they were not as seller worthy as I had hoped. But I mean, you, <laughs> you've been teasing me after our Chardonnay podcast, and frankly, I'm on this on the same point that I need to reevaluate what Chardonnay is in my cellar after our, uh, after our podcast with Christine. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that I don't think they held up as, as a gold medal wine should have. Um, they were, they, everybody was seduced by that Oak, by that butter, by that. Everybody was seduced by almost like a Californication of, of, of County Chard. And I, I thought it was, I, I thought, I thought it was a, a terrible injustice, uh, for, you know, uh, for the winemakers of Ontario to have those representing Ontario as the best, but let's let's move on. It's been years ago since that happened. Yeah, and I think we're starting to see, like even um, like having been a judge at the Ontario Wine Awards this year, that the style in Ontario is moving to be more restrained and um, less focus on oak and and the fact that like the main Kalus won the gold medal and it was very well integrated, not as much smash you in the face new oak. Um, yeah, it's uh, anyways. Uh, Okay, so going going, so going now, back to going now, back to going back to Glenn, going back to Glenn. I said he's underrated. Again, having just been there, I would tell you that I was there for two hours tasting with Glenn, and he never stopped being busy. Never, there was never <laughs> a lull, and uh, it was really nice because he totally focused on 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 us and a tasting because he was not even supposed to be there. So people would walk up to him. And say Glenn, blah blah blah, and you go, I'm not here, right? So it was it was pretty funny to watch that, but he was never not busy. Uh, he's got the cheese there. He's got oh the man, and that's I mean that's there. just the that's just the icing on the cake too. But he makes such good wine, but he also makes really great cheese too. And he's got some sort of uh, like uh, like a food truck that's that parks itself or or whatever it is. I do not think they are underrated in any way, shape, or form. Maybe the restaurants, but I I don't think that the restaurants of Ontario or Toronto, you know, are any indication of who's doing well because the restaurants of Toronto shun, uh, for the most part, uh, Ontario wine. And most Ontario restaurants, you know, unless you're, you're in uh, the regions, like if you're in Prince Edward County, you're, you've got Prince Edward County wine. If you have, uh, you know, if you're in Niagara, you can easily find Niagara wine. But I don't think that uh and i don't know about what goes on in windsor or 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 around there uh because i haven't been in a long time but 
uh, I think the rest of Ontario should uh, should um, step up and start realizing that we're making great wine and talk to people like you, talk to people like me uh, and, and say, you know what, what Ontario wine should we be putting on our list to impress our customers? As a, as a person who does wine tours, uh, you would be surprised at how many people come, you know, they, they go to Toronto, stay a few nights, then they come down to Niagara and they tell me that they went to some restaurants, really great restaurants in Toronto, and uh, they really wanted to try Ontario wine because they knew they were coming on a wine tour and they could not find a bottle. And it's shameful. And I think we've, we've, we've discussed that before on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, at length. And you know what? I, th- I actually, um, maybe that's something I'll, I'll, I'll work on for the, for the fall because um, like my business, we've been, doing, we've been doing a little bit of business with uh, Michael Hunter at Antler. And he's always been a great supporter of uh, Ontario and local, but uh, they've got a really interesting new um, new wine director. I, th- I, th- I think she's been there for a little bit. I, I actually need to send her a note. But um, the wines that are hitting the list at Antler are v- are very interesting and not just the usual suspects. So um, I, I'm hoping that like the profile of that restaurant will help some wineries out, like namely uh, Palatine, Palatine Hills, who... I think are on that list with a, a good Merlot that they've um, that they've been making, um, but let me um, let me just z- just segue to like bypassing Toronto. It's actually something that's quite refreshing about Hamilton and living in Hamilton. And um, I am at the one year mark uh, next Friday of having lived in Hamilton. So yeah, you're, you guys are listening to this on the twenty third of August. The twenty sixth of August is my one year anniversary of uh, living in Hamilton and. I can walk into any restaurant in this city and find local wines. I was actually at uh, McMaster Innovation Park at lunch, which is, um, you know, it's an innovation hub. Like it's, um, it's, it's a, it's a commercial real estate, like it's a commercial real estate venture for, for medical labs and, and technical people. And they have a beer garden that was open for their lunch. And they didn't just have a Ontario wine. They weren't just pouring Peely Island, which was actually one of the wines on the list, but they had Peely Island Cabernet, uh, they had a Sandbanks Baco, but they also had um, Flat Rock Pinot Noir. Um, shoot, I wish I'd paid more attention. They had five Ontario wines. So it was a beer garden. It was a beer garden for an innovation hub. It wasn't a restaurant. It wasn't a commissary. Like it's, it's something they hold for events that are open in the summer. And they had they had like a selection of seven craft beers, but five Ontario wines. Um, that's just what the city of Hamilton is like. And let me segue to who I think I like to talk about as the next underrated winemaker. I went well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pop in here, and do you yeah. think it's because of their proximity to Niagara? No, I think, but that's the thing, though. Toronto has proximity to Niagara. I think it's just something that I, I've learned from from being in this city is like there is a, a um, there is a pride in being local, but there's also a, a, a neighborly support of like when you're a part of the city, you're a, you're a part of the community. And uh, I live in the east end of, of Toronto. Um, I am definitely part of a gentrification that is that is taking place uh there is a, a really weird uh demographic split in this neighborhood because i mean historically it has been a little bit rough a little bit gritty very blue collar but a lot of very poor people in this neighborhood but at the same time like the neighbors really care about each other and they keep an eye on things and you know when you're from like i mean it's one of the reasons i've got a, a tiger cat scarf um and a tiger cat's t-shirt Granted, I still have a five to one ratio of my Rough Rider stuff to the Tiger Cat stuff, but I mean, it's really hard to not let this community get under your skin. And it, it's, you can see it in the culinary scene that's taking off in the city. Like there is no serious fine dining that I've seen in the city yet. But the stuff that's exciting about Hamilton is almost like Hamilton is out Torontoing 
Toronto that like, you know, interesting chefs cooking farm to table, nothing too expensive, but like you're getting that like less than polished feel. Like I'm thinking of, of Rose and Sons in Toronto when it was at its prime. And, um, I'm trying to think of like who else made really great food. And that's, I mean, Antler is, is still doing that, although it is a little bit elevated and a little bit more pricey or like places like Ascari and, and Enoteca Social. Like I know those are nicer places in Toronto, but they're also not really white tablecloth places. You know what I mean? All right. Okay. Go on to your next winemaker. So my, my segue, I was actually, so I was at the Dundurn market today and they have, um, they have a bottle shop license. Um, I bought some really great uh, garden tomatoes that I'm looking forward to putting in a salad tonight, but um, they sell, I think it's, it's, it's either a hundred percent or like 90% local wines and from various producers, but they have what looks like almost the entire lineup of the organized crime wines in that shop. And those are wines made by Greg Yemen. Um, they are not terribly expensive. And I feel like every time I taste the wines from organized crime, they get better and better. Uh, and I don't think anyone talks about like, oh man, like you got to go taste Greg's wines. Um, it almost feels like, like people mention them as an, as an afterthought. I mean, how, how many tours do you take to organize crime, Michael? Well, I don't, I don't take any cause I don't do a lot of the bench. There's other drivers. Uh huh. Uh huh. Excuses. Got it. But we end up at cassava a lot. Okay. Uh, we end up at flat rock. Okay. But uh, first let me, uh, let me mention one thing. I am, I'm really glad that, uh, that I'm not coming for dinner tonight. Uh, with your with your love of tomatoes that you have on the menu, so you don't like uh, tomatoes. No, you know that for God's sakes, man. I no, I know you don't like mushrooms. Pie. It's just like a fan I of tomatoes themselves. I still just like I just uh, I I can't keep track of the foods you like and don't like anymore. And, and nor should you because that's my job. Um, but uh, you know what? Maybe I would I would grant you Greg Yemen. I would grant you him. Uh, I I am impressed with his wines. I opened up a 2017 pipe down. Uh, not too long ago, uh, I got a lot of love on Instagram, uh, you know, from the college and from other winemakers and, uh, you know, people around here. So, um, it was a delicious bottle of wine. I still think I opened it a little too early, but I'm glad I opened it, put it into a big glass. Um, yeah, I, I think Greg is doing some great stuff. Uh, I do, and, and I'll, you know, I, I will caveat it all at the end. But, uh, but now it's your turn. Keep going on your list. What do you mean you're going to caveat all at the end? I want to hear your, your caveat at the end. I just, you have to wait till the end. I I can't believe that. I can't believe that I got through three and I finally got you to like, uh, to like agree with, uh, with one of the choices. I'll I'll give you Greg Yemen. I, 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 I'm impressed with the wines and I, and I, I think that, um, that organized crime has in some way, uh, lost its luster because I've always uh, had a feeling uh, and, and it, it proves out time and time again that you have five years to make your mark in Niagara. And I'll, I'll tell you why I think that is. Mm-hmm. I think it's because the, the, I think people keep their, their wine map for five years. Interesting. Um, I don't know if everybody gets a new map every year. I think you just get your map and you look and whatever's new. And as a new winery pops up, you go to it and you have five years before somebody switches their map and realizes, okay, organized crime, I've been there before. So you have that kind of time to make, so you either make a mark or you don't. 
and I think organized crime came out with a with a bang because of the story that they told and and uh, and everything like that. And then something happened. I don't know what it is, but slowly they got off of people's radar. And maybe it should be time that it gets back on because of what Greg is doing there. Uh, but something, I, I don't know if they went through a rough patch. I don't know if they went through a winemaker that wasn't doing uh, good for them. Uh, just something happened that was not, uh, didn't jive with what people wanted from that winery. Interesting. No, that's, uh, uh, I mean, I think that is a very interesting hypothesis in theory. And frankly, I, I don't think that I have a way to, um, like to substantiate, like to, to quantify what it is that you said. So, I mean, interesting. Um, okay. Um, a controversial one. And, and actually this is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about this was, uh, I had a, recently had a chance to taste, uh, Craig McDonald's little, um, little, uh, I guess, virtual or semi-virtual project, the RR81 wines. And it's just one of these things where I, I hear me out. Cause I know it's a bit of a surprise to hear me mention, mention Craig McDonald, who, um, we've spoken to on the podcast. Um, it's, it's just the whole fact that you have, you have, a, you know, you have the dude who's running one of the largest wine programs on the, one of the largest VQA wine programs on the peninsula at Trias and overseeing, he's overseeing Peller as well, right? Do you understand uh, the whole company? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, but I mean, to, to, to see, to see Craig and see Ontario, everything. So, so, so to see out on the East coast. So to see Craig like fired up about his like his little project and working with Zweigelt of all things, um, and I ended up leaving uh, leaving the tasting with a bottle of uh, 20, 2020 Syrah that is just outstanding, and I just I can't help but think about once again like it's it's the problem with Toronto that really drives me drives me bonkers is we have some of the larger wineries making some really good top shelf VQA wines, but a lot of the sommeliers in Toronto and a lot of the wine list uh, people, a lot of people who run wine lists in Toronto won't touch a brand once it's, once it's hit the LCBO. Um, and I guess, I mean, I, I might even throw Lawrence, Lawrence Bueller in there as well. Like the, the shift in winemaking that has happened, especially with the Pinot Noir and Chardonnay program at Henry of Pelham. Like it's a damn shame that some of those wines aren't working their ways onto better wine lists in the city. Cause they're definitely more economical than some of the other, heavier but, hitter, I, usual suspects for Pinot Noir and, and Chardonnay. But if I'm making a buy the glass wine list to have a killer Ontario, uh, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, like, um, I know I've shifted from Craig to, to Lawrence here, but like Henry Pelham is something that people should be considering as well. Neither, neither one an underrated winemaker. There's a reason why that, that Lawrence went, you know, from, uh, you know, bounced, uh, to a few wineries, uh, because he was, he was in demand. He, they, people wanted him for, uh, for his expertise, what he what he developed at Peller, what he developed uh, at, at the other wineries that he worked for, uh, Craig McDonald, again, same thing. You know, we, you know, uh, cut his teeth. Uh, you know, uh, not underrated at all when he was at Creekside, and definitely not not underrated in any way, shape, or form. Okay, well, so, so maybe maybe the, the question I, I'm, I'm I need to re reframe the question is it's just like so why are there not more Trius wines? on trendy wine lists in Toronto and why are there not more Henry of Pelham wines on trendy wine lists in Toronto if these guys aren't underrated what's what's missing what's the what's the x factor to get I am I am telling you that that you know looking at a wine list at a, at a restaurant in Toronto 
is not the way to judge who is underrated. Okay, you okay, know? there we go. We're making they, some they progress are, here. You know, you you look at uh, these wine lists, and 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 they are also, you know, throwing on. Um, you know, they do have Peller products, and they do have Jackson Triggs products, and they have you know as their only. Oh, wine okay, 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 are, okay. But but are, but let's are, say our cellar in Canada wine. Again, this is not the place to be looking. The place to be looking is, uh, you know. You should be standing in front of the winery on a Saturday to see if people are not coming in. Okay, that's fair. I mean, that's 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 fair. I, I I guess that the part of this is just the fact that I still have one foot and my eyes looking to the hospitality industry and 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 at what's available at bottle shops, and it's just like I under well, I guess that's. Sort of just trying to finish the thought that just started, but just like, you know, I understand how if I'm running a bottle shop that that trying to compete with the LCBO with Henry Pelham back on noir, where I'm going to have to mark it up. Like, obviously, that doesn't make sense. But I mean, I, I guess it is still frustrating that if you're making a wine program for a company like Jack Astor's or Moxie's in Ontario, that you're not seeing more VQA represented and the VQA that's being represented, or like you said, like Cellard in Canada choices are working the ways on there, are, are not super great. Uh, that's a whole separate topic. I'm talking about underrated and overrated. Well, I guess not even overrated. Sorry, underrated winemakers. I don't want to get into overrated. Yeah, there's there's definitely the overrated uh, people. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to mention any of them, but you know, uh, because one of them I will not mention on this podcast. Um, <laughs> period. The end. Uh, but uh, very overrated. Very overrated. Uh, Does it? And do you want to do you want to say what it rhymes with? Because I'm actually not even sure who you're talking about. Because I know there's a handful that we probably both would be in agreement on. I'd rather let you get in trouble than me, though. He was he was caught with his hand in the cookie jar or whatever. Got it. Yeah, I still don't understand. It it actually not supposed to be touching. Very frustrating. Very frustrating to find those wines still on the shelves of the of the LCBO. But we don't need to re uh, litigate that. And that he's busy every weekend. Yeah, every weekend, and and through the week shouldn't be shouldn't be. Yep. You know, but um, look, I I think uh, a, a winery, you know, is as good as their is as good as their winemaker. Uh, I agree. If you've got a good if you've got a good winemaker, people should come to your door. Uh, we can shine some light on people like uh, like organized crime, whose day in the sun has, I think, um, you know, waned a little bit. But I have not stood outside that winery on a Saturday to see how busy they are. Um, the last time I was there to pick up a bottle of rosé, they had a whole bunch of picnic benches down in the vineyard. So obviously there are people coming to sit in that vineyard to, to drink wine. So uh, I, I, I don't I don't really know where where to where to go with underrated winemakers at the at the moment. I will tell you what I think is going to um, uh, is going to separate the men from the boys and the women from the girls. And I told you there's a caveat to my whole thing here. All right, let's and get let's point, get to your this is is this this is the Jerry Springer this is Jerry's moment right now. This is Michael's yeah, moment. I, I guess if that's what you want to call it. It is going to be 2021. Okay? It is going to be what wineries make out of 2021 which was for lack of a better term, and I know we're not supposed to say good vintage versus bad vintage, but it was a terrible vintage. It was not a great vintage in any way, shape, or form. Um, it, it is going to depend how our wineries um, uh, create their wines and what they do with those wines. If, if you know, I, I remember talking to uh, Charlie Pilateri, 
all over at Pillitary. And he said, we've declassified everything. That means that you're going to get, uh, they're being honest with their customer. They're going to make good wine. If you see reserves from 2021, it, it had better be damn good. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, it better be really damn good because I don't think there's going to be a lot of reserve uh, uh, from, from 2021. I, I agree, but also, you know, what? there's something that you and I, and actually um, Craig McDonald, when we talked to him, we were, uh, when we were talking about the harvest last year, that um, entertained the, the hell out of me out of the time because it was us speaking nicely about what the vintage conditions were like, as we said, it was going to be a good year for rosé. But, I mean, you did the rosé report. Um, I, I make rosé and... A lot of the rosés from Ontario, especially the Pinot Noir rosés, I haven't had many Cabernet Franc rosés, but the Pinot Noir rosé from 2021 from Ontario have been pretty, pretty damn good. Correct. I, I think, was, but frankly, it it's, it's, rose it's, year. it's, it's, it's also, it's just hard to, it's hard to not, um, feel that maybe they're tasting better because we set the expectations a little low on ourselves that when we look at labels, Oh, it's 2021. Uh, well, <laughs> we know what, uh, we know what this is going to taste like. So well, no, the, like the, I, when, I, when I did the rosé before from 2020, they were, they were, they were, they were, they lacked acidity. That was the biggest problem that I had in 2020, uh, 2021, nobody was lacking acid. Um, well, even then, even then with, with Pinot, even with, yes, but that's it though. You have to remember that even with, uh, even with Pinot, because it was a hot summer until September when the rain started. So, uh, I mean, it was a challenge to, to, to hold acid, but I mean, the thing that's remarkable is a lot of these great, uh, rosés have, uh, have, have, um, held the concentration of flavors in a year where mother nature did everything in her power to make sure that we didn't have concentrated fruit to work with. Correct. Now, as I said, we are going to find out who is underrated, overrated, and who's a competent winemaker by by tasting the wines from 2021. So, I think these are the kinds of vintages that proves, you know, who should be in the wine industry making wine. And on the on the other side of the coin, I have heard a couple of winemakers say uh, off the record, so we won't mention names. If you couldn't make wine in 2020, you should get out of the business as well. I've, I've heard that from a lot of people too. Um, I, and I mean, it's the same thing I, I tell people, people as well is, is, um, you know, I've, I've walked a lot of vineyards. I've been walking vineyards, uh, this year looking for fruit for the ADX wine company. I think things are actually looking pretty good right now in spite of the lower yields. Once again, thanks to the, the, the winter kill, but the difference between 2020 and 2021 is just like, you know, if you have never walked the vineyard before but you picture like cinematically what a vineyard looks like 2020 would have been the year to shoot nothing but like like beautiful shots of vineyards they the vines looked photoshopped almost across the board in terms of just quality because of how hot how dry and just like how wonderful it was to to be in there where 2021 was um a zombie movie like it was it was apocalyptic almost well especially at the end there especially at the end Anyways, yes. Uh, no, I mean, that's a separate thing. So I'll tell you what, I, I actually just have an idea. I need to figure out where to write it down so we don't forget it. But you know what we should do around uh, around March, Michael? What should we do? We should we should put a call out to uh, to the wineries of Ontario and, and we should do like a March Madness. And, and I'm, I know you and I, we've talked about how Cuvée used to be. And I never got to, to Cuvée when it was like this where 
Um, it used to be an awards show, but we should just ask winemakers to send us their best 2021 wines, and uh, we should do uh, do a bracket. Do a bracket. Do a bracket. Do a bracket. The- so so we get the wine sent to us, and we will we will draw names just like they do for like the World Cup or for whatever. Um, so that it's completely random who is matched up against anyone. But um, I mean, I think it'll make for an interesting debate. We could put together a panel of people to help us judge it. Oh man, this would be fun. I'm I'm waiting for you to continue. And that's it. And then we'll just see who who wins the bracket of um the 2021 like best 2021 of Ontario. And it's completely unscientific. People will be pissed off at whatever wine we pick. So you're just talking 2021 vintage wines. Well, I mean that's it though. You're the one who said that that 2021 will decide who's overrated and who's underrated. What better way to do it than to formalize it as a competition? All right, write it down. Interesting. Hey, uh, so do you think this was a good 300th episode? I liked it. Uh, (laughs) What? What? I'd like to hear what our our listeners think. Oh yeah, I already did the I already did the Patreon shout out. I know uh, I apologize to the listeners again. Once again, Andre Wine Review has been uh, been sadly neglected, but I have been drinking some very interesting interesting wines this uh, this summer. So I've got a little bit of a round out roundup. coming out um some cool wines from 16 mile henry of pelham in a skillin and um i think that's that's the that's the big ones on obviously you have something from craig mcdonald's new project i wasn't planning on uh wasn't planning on on writing about it, but I, I did give the shout out on this it's the the rr81 project that craig has been working on um he's working with zweigelt and he's definitely doing zweigelt better than better than most um, I'm still just not on the, uh, not on the Zweigelt train. I'm just not. What made him, uh, work with the Zweigelt? Uh, you'd have to ask him. I, I was thinking it actually might be worth getting him on the podcast to talk about this project. Cause it is, it is very unique and, and very cool. And like, I don't think he's got a, a website or anything on that. It's in a few, uh, bottle shops or whatever, but like that Syrah, that Syrah was insane. Just beautiful. And and I think everyone who's listening to this podcast knows that Syrah is not something I'm usually out of my way, uh, running out of my way to get. Not from Ontario, anyway. Yeah, that's true. I've been drinking a lot of Southern Rhone this summer. Well, Andre, you've given your list. I've shot you down for most of them. Except we did, we did agree. We did agree on uh, on Greg at uh, Organized Crime. So we did. All right. Well, let's see what. Again, I'd like to hear some feedback from uh, from some listeners. Uh, yeah, so, I would uh, love that. Who who do you think is the most underrated winemaker in Ontario? Hit me up and, at Andre Wine Review and hit Michael up at the Grape Guy on and, uh, on Instagram. And shoot it down. Yeah, I mean that'd be a fun thing. Like we're going to be hopefully recording an episode next week. We could do a quick uh, a quick throwback uh, th- throwback on this. Like uh, like like I'm at the X shooting at those ducks. That's what I'm going to try and do. I'm going to shoot you down. I'm used to it. All right. Well, I gave a, I gave the shout out to my website. I gave your Instagram, your michaelpinkuswinereview.com. There's only one thing left to do. Uh, yes. Uh, it can be found on social media at The Great Guy and at Michael Pincus. I, I already said that. I already yet. said I that. Know, but I like, to, I like to do it one more time before I say. Uh, you ruined it. You're just night. supposed to say good night. No, good night. Good night. That's, no, wait. It's like this. Good night. Sometimes it's I'm Walter Cronkite. Good night. Good night.
Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. Two Guys Talking Wine is produced by Jim Ray, Adam Duran, and Ken Little.